Disclaimer, if you are offended by the odd bad word, honest opinions, open debate or insightful discussions, then perhaps you should listen to another podcast. Maybe about gardening or something. Whatever. Welcome to episode four of the Copycats podcast. This week we have something a little unusual, a little different from what we've done previously. We have two designers with us this week who are going to talk about uh, their backgrounds, how they got into design, what they've learned, um, what they've seen change over the years and giving us some predictions for the future. So uh, we're going to introduce Haley and JP, uh, both of whom are accomplished designers, have got lots of information to share with us. And it turned out to be a pretty good podcast. So here you go. Enjoy. Right. One of the things I've always found whenever I speak to any designers is they've usually got a different background or a different interest. And one of the things that I've always wanted to ask is to Haley in particular, who studied ceramics, right? Yeah. Well, design crafts. So what what did that involve then? How did you end up in that? So, oh God, for the longest time, like, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, so, like, when I kind of was at college, I was like, for me, it was just, as long as in the arts direction, yeah. I don't mind what I do, but I was still figuring it out. Like, I didn't have, like, this direct line of, like, oh, I want to be a graphic designer or I want to be like this or anything like that. So I kind of wanted to give myself as much time in education to be able to, like, test out what I was doing. Yeah. Um, so I did a foundation year after my arts, art and design um, course at college, and I still didn't know what to do. And so I came across, at, well, actually, I kind of thought I wanted to do illustration. Mm-hmm. And then all that year, I was like gearing up to do illustration, went to the open day. And I was like, this isn't what I want to do. Yeah. And I started panicking. I was like, Jesus, what do I want to do? found this course which was called design crafts and it had like everything from glass blowing to metalsmith ceramics textiles and graphics mm-hmm. and i just thought do you know what like i'm gonna be able to like fill my boots and get like the wide scope yeah, and yeah. i can decide more to the time like i think there's like this pressure to be like you know what you're doing and well, to yeah, I mean, choose it's... a career and like it wasn't until i got there and if you told me like when i was doing university that i'd be doing a graphic design job now yeah I don't think that would have been my choice at yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. Like I just I had no idea what I wanted. And then after spending like seven, eight years in education, I kind of came out of it and I was like, I still don't know what I wanted to do, but I was just, I ended up um, specialising in, I guess, illustration and ceramics and kind of like combining those skills and like a bit of graphics within that as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I, I was still like, I was panicking at this point. I was like, what, do, what am I going to do? Like, what am I going to make a career out of this? And so I was thinking, oh, I'm going to go back into teaching just like, brilliant like more education just pile it on but um yeah then I did a I went for the PGCE interview and I was like this isn't what I want to do mm-hmm. but I ended up becoming like a, a technician at school design technician mm-hmm. and uh I was working with like the graphic design kids and like that kind of like sparked a bit of like something inside me just like sparked off and I was like oh actually there is something here and I'd say for this field like I was so lucky to get an interview at the agency I was at now because I think I turned up and I had no idea like kind of like what I was doing still. I was just like, I had like this idea. I was like, actually, I quite like this. Mm -hmm. Um, And turned up and like my portfolio was completely geared to like ceramics and like looking illustration stuff. So I did that, didn't need a a square word. But yeah, and then I went there, um, met with the interviewer and it was like my first formal interview. Yeah. And I was like terrified. Like I was like, I have no, what the fuck am I doing? Like, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until she was like, Oh, oh, do you think you can come in for a test day this week? And I was like, oh, I can't because I was doing the International Design Festival. And then she was like, oh. And it was like, okay. And so I think that won me the job more than anything. So they took a chance on me. Mm -hmm. And then it was almost like deep end, learn as you go. And it's either sink or swim. Like you're going to like like it or you're going to just be like, nah, this isn't for me. And it ended up working in my favour. And I've been there for like three years now. So what were you actually doing at the International design festival then well like um with the ceramics that i did at university i got quite a few galleries and stuff like that approached me to like have my work like i was in london design festival for like my ceramics and stuff like that yeah loved doing that but it was just it wasn't the money you need to like make it in that like the overhead cost like to be able to like you know get a kiln and all that like yeah yeah, yeah. so expensive so i was like i need some like income coming in but Mm. like I was so glad that the time that I did that, like right after university, I still had like a lot of stock. I was like on that 
ghost or like I, I found like source like places that would like borrow up my work and stuff like that but it's really expensive especially when you start going into like the international design festival in berlin and stuff like that it's like flights all that like yeah. you have to sort that out but um yeah it was almost like i just applied for that didn't think i'd get anything of it and then like a week I, later there was like yeah okay yeah i think one of the hardest things to do coming from a creative background is to like monetize your creative pursuits i think a lot of designers and writers struggle with that and finding a job that allows you to still be creative has been one of the biggest challenges in my life uh, continuously yeah i mean that's the reason i asked that question is because the designers i know are you know portrait artists illustrators you know they've got other pursuits things that they Mm -hmm. love doing and to see them sitting in an office on photoshop or illustrator day in and day out it's kind of i wanted to see how that translated absolutely i think the important thing for me is that always like throughout whatever I'm doing like this as much as I love it and like it pays my bills like I'm so happy that I get to be able to be creative at work but then it's also as important for me to still like pursue like just completely hate uh, design work as well so I still do like ceramics I still do like illustrations stuff like that not as frequent as I used to be able to at university when it was like what I was doing five days a week but it's so important for me to like still invest that time into like my own creative pursuits yeah. as well as it just allows me to be more creative when I get into work at the end of the day. Yeah. Because I'm getting in, I'm like, I'm fully refreshed. I haven't been focused on just like a one brand or like anything like that. I've been like, been able to explore my own ideas. Yeah. So like when I come back into the office, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. I feel creative. I've got like this energy. But yeah, I always feel like it's really important to like balance both of those things. Yeah. So, I mean, it almost sounds like you fell into it, but with JP, you you almost set out with the goal of doing the job you're doing now, right? Almost. Okay. Almost. Although while um, echoing Haley, I think those decisions you take at that early stage of life, um, I think we're really lucky in the creative arts areas um, because there's such variety. Mm-hmm. I've spoken about illustration, digital design, um, ceramics, uh, fine art. Actually, in school and specifically college university, there's such a plethora of different courses you can take, which you said. And actually, I think that's it's golden. That opportunity is there for creatives to actually find out what they like. And if you're smart with it, as you and I, yes, you narrow yourself down, you cast the net and you draw it back in from school. Yes, you love art and design. Okay, well, let's go choose a selection of A-levels that are able to um, facilitate that. So I went on and did a... AVC in art and design, like your course, it covered off those key areas. You covered fine art, ceramics, uh, metal work, graphic design, um, and it gives you that great foundation. Um, and I did graphic design as well. So it's always then finding out what floats your boat. And interestingly, at that same time, I, like Katie, were in ceramics, but I really enjoyed um, landscape design. Mm. So I very nearly went into and I did work experience at a uh, horticultural college to just find out like is my creative outlet in in that area yeah it may even be in the future you just never know yeah. but like you've said if you're creative you can express yourself in so many ways how you monetize that is a completely mm. different thing yeah um but then go through to university um, and like i say continually narrow that down so again choose a course that is this time say graphic design related but again you cast that out because graphic design has such a, a wide variety. Mine had branding, digital, illustration, and print. So again, you've got those disciplines in there, which again gives you choice. Um, and again, coming out of there, it is, yeah. We're very lucky, and particularly around London and the Southeast, even in the UK, we've got a, an amazing creative culture and industry. Um, and I think uh, that's a real success yeah. for this country. And I think we're very lucky to have it. I think they say something like 40,000 students graduate every single year in a creative industry. And you fight out for those jobs. So like you were saying, oh, to have so that lucky. opportunity yeah. is great. Um, it's, it's a funny one because I, I feel like I missed a trick. Because that's both of you now talked about a foundation level and then sort of branching out. Mm. I did... A-level graphics design, because it was the only A-level I was any good at, I ended up applying to uni to do an honours degree in graphics design. And when I got there, there was a little bit of web design, little bit of photography, little bit of this and that. But I, at the time, don't get me wrong, it could very much have been my attendance rate that impacted. But ultimately, I don't remember people saying each of these modules is a career path that you can take. I think I, I was just looking at it as a student going... I've got to pass that module. I've got to pass that module. I mean, when I look back on it, I mean, I was even doing like sort of 3D 
design and all that kind of stuff. And I think it might even have been a wee bit of product design in there. But I don't remember anybody ever saying, mm. this isn't a, a, just a, a whitewash of design. You can be specialising in each of these. Yeah. And I think that's why when I graduated, I was just, well, like like you said, Haley. I think I was still so lost. I still had no idea what I wanted to do. But I just knew that having gone through that course, I didn't want it to be that. Yeah. And that's why, well, I ended up in a call centre. But it was only when I found copywriting by accident that I could actually be creative. And that's something that I personally struggled with. When I went to university, there was guys in there who, day one, they wanted to make sure we could all draw, right? Basic stuff, put a football in the middle of the table and said, everybody sketch it, right? Mm. I had a wee sketch, did best I could. At the end of the, the lesson, the guy said, right, everybody put yours on the wall and let's see it. And I just remember looking around the room thinking, I am in the wrong place because some of these things were stunning, you know? And that just seemed to be the process that I went through every time I saw these people doing this amazing work I just thought I, I don't know why I'm here I'm not capable of doing that and it was only when I found copywriting I was able to express what I was thinking mm. and that's something that I personally have always struggled with up to I found the job I'm in now is the fact that I could think the best idea but I could never get it onto paper sketching painting I never found a medium that allowed me to get down what I was thinking until I became a writer and at that point it was like somebody turning on a light switch. And that's when I became creative because I thought, this is amazing. I can I can have an idea and get it on paper as exactly as I see it in my mind. Do you know what I mean? That is so lovely. And for me, like it's the opposite way around. Like I can visualize it, I can sketch it, but then it's like, how do I get the perfect headline to just yeah. like go along with this? And that's what makes us like the perfect like partnership. Yeah. Because yeah. like when we work together and we do those projects, like DMs and stuff like that, it's like when it really comes like two minds become one. Yeah. Like the Spice Girls. Yeah, very <laughs> much so. You've both highlighted, um, we all have, different paths. There's no right answer. There's no mm-hmm. um, golden ticket. We enter creativity at different stages. We find the, the spark, the passion, that thing that really makes us tick. And it doesn't matter if it's, a lot of people find it at GCSE or A-levels or actually further on into their career. Yeah. And like we've both said, we dip back into or we change different things or have career change. But potentially creativity flows throughout that thread throughout our lives whether you do it as an everyday as mm-hmm. a job or as a hobby um, I think we're very lucky to be able to go off oh, and absolutely. say actually in 10-15 years time I'm going to go and become a ceramicist because actually that time in my life is just perfect or mm-hmm. like you say write a novel yeah, or yeah, do yeah. something that's expressing yourself in in copy yeah um, so with that in mind what would you say you guys find um of all the jobs you do allows you to be the most expressive of your kind of creativity that's a difficult one i'd say not just one job but i would say for me the um the best bit about being a graphic designer or in a design agency as a creative a designer and i guess you could be that if you're on the creative side, so a copywriter, an art director, a designer, a multimedia specialist. But for me, it's variety. Mm-hmm. So it's not just one part mm, yeah. of the job. It's actually that complete package. So one day, um, it depends again what your role is, but you could be concepting, or you could be artworking, or you could be directing or designing. And I think that you mentioned it with ceramics you get inspired to come into work and you're reignited to go and do something that is in a different discipline you might be doing for example b2b marketing design is completely different to ceramics Mm -hmm. but you're fired up your creative juices are driven and so variety for me i think is so important i think that is not just one thing it's all of it that's true yeah. I think that's what really excites me about like when we get the opportunity to do like a pitch for a brand new client and like you get to like there's no brief in it really mm-hmm. like you just get to do like a range of these different things so you have to like give like a, a big idea basically and then you get to do scans of like this is what a direct mail could be this is what a tip sheet could be this is what how a html would look like yeah. in the landing page and you kind of get to just sketch out and be completely creative like have no the originality Bars, yeah, is there, absolutely. isn't it? That's, that is so um, exciting. You get to be exciting. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, there's a then, slate. And that, exactly. Yeah. And, and when they see it, like for the first time, it's like, oh, this is like so exciting. It's like, but like we may need to come back on this bit. But that first opportunity yeah. to kind of like really push it to the limits yeah. and be just like, this is what we can offer. And then have it come back is better mm. than going too safe 
and then we might come and push it. Yeah. It's really interesting. We all get our kicks out of different things. Like you say, that, that original ideas concepting mm. stage or actually the part where you've come up with all of those ideas as part of the collective and you go and present those ideas to the client, that challenge um, and uh, to go ahead and, and sell in that idea that, that you grew and you've, like you say, you've, you've put together in a, in a presentation um, and then get the client to buy into it. Is that, I feel yeah, that is it's exciting. So but I think, I think, like Hayley, uh, Hayley said earlier, I think there's definitely a team thing going on there mm. because mm. for those of you who obviously don't know, Hayley and Hani would work together as a creative team and JP and I would work together as a creative team. And one of the things that working with JP that I always loved about it was I was always very much in the detail and in the the story, the research and the narrative. And that's not to say that you weren't in the detail, but you definitely like the latter part of the process when it came to being client facing, talking them through the process, getting them sort of hyped up on the ideas. Definitely a showman, yeah. Yeah, yeah but that but that was something that never ever appealed to me. You, I mean, you know me, I could quite happily sit in a dark cupboard and do my job. Do you know what I mean? I've got no interest in any sort of people facing role. I just I'm I'm there for the writing. But I think that's why you and I work because between us we could do that and then go away and sort of squirrel away in the corner and then I'd say, right, there you go. And then you can take it to the client with the the enthusiasm I think it needed mm. to do as Haley says to present it effectively. But I think like you said there and teamwork collective yeah. I'm a firm believer in no individual there's no I in team I know that's that's corny but there literally isn't because there's so you've got a group a collective of people that have been brought together who have their specific roles skill sets strengths weaknesses and it's not that individual yeah. who's going to produce the ultimate outcome mm-hmm. it's that collective of yes you've got different skill sets copywriters designers art directors um but even like you say that relationship with partnerships within creative teams or a creative team give it out share it get people's feedback mm-hmm. uh, i think it's really important i think as well because like when we were like we used to work together on like a bank of desk and just being able to have that like that space to bounce ideas back off of each other yeah. it's so inspiring like one person could say one thing mm-hmm. and you'd be like right oh this is like started a whole new strain yeah, yeah, of yeah, things yeah, yeah. and it's it's so beautiful it feels like so creative like the energy that's just like bouncing I off almost each other. enjoy that more mm-hmm. or just as much i enjoy working like you've said that that rapport that energy that you just get something out of it you're motivated mm-hmm. i think i enjoy that just as much as the creative output mm-hmm. that we achieve the, yeah. the idea we're trying to find because like we're talking about education about mm-hmm. going into a profession and we spend our, 80% of our lives in our day-to-day jobs, nine to five plus more hours. Yeah. Um, but this is where we work every single day. Mm. And it's critical that we find groups of people, teams, uh, partnerships where we, we get on with each other. We pounce off ideas. You enjoy each other's company. That's why this podcast exists. Yeah. For that very reason. What you've just explained is the reason this podcast exists. Because you can have a creative team in a business with 500 other people in it. That creative team, if done properly, is tight as a drum. Hmm. You know, the the way we work, the way we operate, the way we think, talk, speak, act, that is what binds us. And that's the reason this podcast exists for, for writers and designers and people in that creative space because the world is full of, you know, marketing podcasts and YouTube videos and motivational, inspirational corporate stuff. When I look at us four and how we used to work together... Hmm. I don't see a lot of that sort of motivational, nicey marketing wider thing. It's not that it's irrelevant to us by any means, but we come at it from such a different yeah. viewpoint. You like know, cut through the bullshit. Like how yeah. are you going to exactly. get this across in like exactly. few words yeah. and like is just like striking visuals. It's things like this, like just talking to you guys right now that just makes me so, like, feels me so much gratitude, yeah. like where we are. If you're down the pub with, like, your mates and they're complaining about, like, their job and stuff like that, it's like, do you know what, like, we may have the odd job that comes in that's yeah. just, like, a bit, like, it's just, like, a men's-based or whatever, but, like, to be able to be creative and work with, like, creative-minded yeah. people every day is, oh, it's I mean, honest, on a I, daily I th- basis, we pretty much get told that we're having too much fun by somebody else who comes <laughs> over and hears us talking. It happens a day, and it's like... Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's because, and it's not to say that anybody who's not in a creative role can't enjoy their job by any means, but these people are nose down in Excel documents and data sheets and, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And we are sitting there talking about the most random DM ideas we've ever had. And then how can we make that work? And what if we use this funny headline and that kind of stuff? And 
I was talking to somebody about this the other day. I would never tell my boss this, but I would do my job for free. I love what I do. I literally love what I do. And we've talked about the things that matter to us in the creative team. For me personally, and Haley, you touched on it, when I come in in the morning and I've got a blank Word document in front of me, I can take that anywhere. That can become anything. And that's the beauty of my job. I literally, I, the, the freedom that that allows me. Absolutely. And it's inside my own head. You know, and, and, and you know, I've, I've said this to Harriet a few times as well, you know, Give me, give, give me Microsoft Word and leave me alone and I could be happy for the rest of my days because that's that's my expression. And the fact that somebody pays me to do that yeah. still blows my mind. It's interesting. It's the one unreal. thing that, that threads all of that together, let you say that um, that atmosphere, the working environment, the people, the both the relationships you build, both professionally and personally through that, and the ultimately the output mm-hmm. is benefited from it. So happiness, it's quite yeah. simple. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. happy people create better things. Yeah. So if you're happy doing exactly what you are or the people you work with, um, the environment, the space, there's so many influences. You said it with ceramics earlier on, that I do it with painting. Mm-hmm. You do it with other things, um, copywriting or um, storytelling. Um, but those creative outlets just feed us, uh, feed our souls yeah. to then go into work and be inspired, just stoked up. You've just got that fire in your belly to say, okay, like you say, this is the challenge I've got to face. Mm. I'm genuinely excited to get there to answer that. It's creative problem solving. It's mm-hmm. one large puzzle. How can we talk to our audience, mm-hmm. sell our product, uh, be a differentiator, um, answer all these challenges that are given to us in this brief uh, and come out with something that not only is different or answers the brief, but is we really like, um, the client really likes, but is also what award winning, let's say, or actually does the job. It sells more products. It communicates that marketing solution or benefit. How important um, is that to you? Um, well, ultimately, I think it's critical mm-hmm. because we have we can be selfish as creatives, as artists, as um, copywriters, and say, "Well, actually, I'm I've done my job. Cut it off. That's that. I've yeah. delivered my role. <laughs> I wrote um, a great headline. Goodbye." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's where we're different, as in um, graphic designers, copywriters, because we're commercial artists. Mm. Our job is to work as a part of a broader team and then organization to deliver to our clients. Um, and that is our sole purpose, is to ensure our clients, through our creative skill sets, um, answer their requirements and they this, hit their, their targets. And, and this is something that Harriet and I have talked about quite a bit. And I think, again, it's something that sort of strung through all of the podcast episodes so far. Do you think there is, do you think there's a part of the market that's missing that between the commercial side of what we do and the enjoyment of art? Because we definitely see copy that, it's fun to read, but it doesn't want to make me. It doesn't make me want to click through and buy the product. So then, does it work? Does it yeah. not work? Do you know it what I mean? It depends, doesn't it? Because it depends if you're in the B two C environment, the B two B environment, the audience, the product. There's so many influences that um, define that conversation. You could say, let's put it back into the B two B space where we all live and work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there is a challenge in B two B marketing and design um, in the sense of. We're challenging the status quo. We're challenging um, clients to actually talk to people as if they're humans and to sell their product on a one-to-one basis, to not use jargon or um, over-elaborate on the the product or service they're selling. Um, And then in between that, we want to do some really cool stuff. We want to be really creative. Why not? Because, well, we're talking to people. Um, And I think... Yeah, no, it's especially fun. Like I know when you said that, like you're focusing on like one person. Like especially when you get the campaigns that are like ABM based, like account based marketing. So it could be like ten people where you get to be like personalized, mm. or like even when you get one person, you get to analyze like their profile and like really make a personalized uh, gift for them. Like when we do direct mail and stuff like that, and it's just so. So let's take that on board then as, as what we've something we've covered in our own uh, previous episodes with regards to the research and stuff. Mm. One of the questions I posed in a, in a previous podcast was, Harriet and I can spend upwards of 50% of our time researching before we do any actual writing. And I, so I posed the question whether it would be beneficial for designers 
to do that as well. Now, I'm not saying that you've got to do the same level of research that Harriet and I do, because obviously we need to know it to do the narrative. But with you guys, before you start a job, would you be looking at what have they done previously? What is happening in the industry? What is happening in the media? You know, are you... Mm. Do you think it's necessary? Because the thing, I think the thing that concerned me, or at least made me stop and think, is you guys get such tight brand guidelines. Yeah. You know, a client comes to you and says, this is how we do things here. Researching, is it going to make that much of a difference if you have to do it within certain guidelines? Or does that give you the ability um, to go back to them? I, I agree with yes and no. Okay. Because uh, firstly, um, a lot of it is generally campaigns, not necessarily brand. So you have more flexibility, more scope in campaign work. Um, and then research. Um, if a, as the broader team, client services have delivered you a thorough, well put together brief, that is the research. Yeah. Um, that is the, the content that the information we need as designers to go away and to deliver mm-hmm. this job. And the actual, like, what you guys write as well. Like, it, I think any designer should, like, print out the copy when they get it and read through it so you really understand okay. what's happening. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. Like, just to have a quick read through it and be like, okay, I understand this. And it just gives you a better insight and being like, okay, which things do I pull out? Like, uh, So where do you stand then on designers being copy and paste merchants? Oh, like, okay. So... <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's have the conversation then, now that we're here. I don't want to, like, speak for all designers yeah. kind of thing, but for me, like, you have to copy and paste it into the document, but if you're not reading what you're pasting into it, and also just to, like, print it out afterwards, after mm-hmm. you've designed whatever you've done, yeah. and just read through it, um, because sometimes, that like, the amount of typos that get put through, and then, like, that you don't yeah, yeah, yeah. pick up on, but, like... And that's why they're, like, working with Haley. Yeah, that's it because I've worked with a lot of teams digital anybody that takes a copy from a word document and puts it into any sort of design format there's some of the horrendous copy and paste <laughs> jobs that I've seen you know once where they've missed the bottom two lines of the paragraph and you just oh, think yeah. how did you not you clearly never read it you just copy and pasted it and dropped it in no you need to like I think after you design something well I, I like to print it out afterwards and just sort of read through it and make sure like oh it's done, not cutting off that sentence because I might have done something accidental on InDesign or something like that yeah um, so I can just double check that and then once I've read it through happy with it then I send it back to the guys yeah but obviously like sometimes you get the odd mistake come back yeah of course just, yeah. it's human error isn't it it's, mm-hmm. it's, sometimes it's going to pop up but so to look at that a little bit more broadly um, I've always found and encouraged creatives um i spoke about earlier creative problem solving Mm -hmm. and um we need to challenge more um at the brief stage um and throughout the design process with one another like you say you're instantly challenging by reading the content when you're putting it in you're ensuring that it fits that it makes sense that it meets the brief as well because ultimately content from different areas comes together to form the answer and as creatives, again, problem solvers, we need to go in and challenge that brief, ask those questions, do that research as well. Mm-hmm. Because we need to be informed. You're only as good as the information you have. So if you've not seen past or um, other competitor campaigns or the, mm. the guidelines, um, it's your own failure. You need to feed yourself with this content within reason yeah. um, to go away and be informed, to have that brief, to have that um, research, to go away and do it. I mean, we... haven't seen you but guys just at work. I've all, I always if I look over at your screens, um, you're always looking at something. Like I've seen you on Pinterest, or you're looking at award-winning DM concepts, other campaigns, and you'll send them around. And a lot of the designers on our team will do that to inspire each other. And, um, and in a broad sense, that yeah. general inspiration is, is really important um, to stay ahead of trends Definitely. or to inform trends ourselves. Or not to redo something that's already been done as well. Because mm-hmm. that's another interesting one. Because particularly in, say, B2B marketing, because of time, budget, um, market, um, we could easily fall into, and often do, become magpies. Whereas we're not necessarily, and this is a broader question, of how original are we? Mm -hmm. A lot of the time we're not. Um, We see it in all walks of life. Music industry, graphic design, ceramics, wherever furniture there's a constant recycling of culture trends society which always is informing us from left right and center so actually the majority of stuff we do it isn't original 
But the original thing is how we interpret that information, how we take those individual elements and draw them together as a creative and then answer our brief in an original way. Mm. Yes, I've heard it's 80% old and 20% new is the general formula because you have to base whatever you're doing on the foundation of something that's already been set. That. That is the, the, the little nugget there, is that smart designers, the best designers and creatives, are those who are able to do that research, work together as teams, find that gap in the market, the, the opening where we can answer our brief, um, challenge our client, or to deliver what we need to do um, with an original approach that hasn't necessarily been done before. That's exciting. Yeah. And, and it's funny because that's, that's how you and I have spoken about copywriting on the podcast so far, is exactly that and to, to hear two accomplished designers having the same point of view it almost shows us that when you get a team of people together who do approach jobs the way we do that's why the output is typically like jp said award-winning or better than the average because we've done that amount of work and i feel like in the last few episodes all we've done is give people more work than they were expecting <laughs> to get from these jobs but i think we've, we've all just proved now that when you do that extra stuff the research the consideration the meetings all that kind of stuff that's when the real good design comes yeah and it's that willingness to challenge each other i know working with Haley and working with jonathan as well like if an idea isn't as good as it could be we're not afraid to give each other constructive criticism and push push the ideas so that we can get it to that level that we want it to be at like and you don't have to be a creative director to do that you know you don't have to be the person overseeing the entire project, it could literally be you and I. I mean, me and JP did it a few times. Mm. Sit in a coffee shop, we throw ideas around, and a few times we just ended up laughing because the initial <laughs> ideas were garbage mm. because we were just brain dumping stuff and then we would go through it, have a laugh mm. and go, wow, that was rubbish. But by going through that, that's when the good stuff sort of floated exactly. to the surface. You, you know? just need to get it on paper. Yeah. Like we, Me and Harry do the same thing. We go out and just like get out of the office, get in a fresh space, and we just like... Do all these shitty like scamp drawings yeah, yeah. and Governmental. just yeah. we and we don't we don't put any restrictions on it. We're just like okay, let's go as mad as we want to at this point, mm-hmm. and then if there's something good that comes out of it, then we'll think okay, how can this work in a more like realistic sense? Mm-hmm. And that's when you get like some of the best ideas. But yeah. out of it, you're gonna get a few like little ones that just don't yeah. make sense at all I mean Harriet like I've had to rain her in a few times <laughs> because she's wanted to put like things in ice and I'm just like Harriet like yeah. shall I tell you what though <laughs> working with you two as a creative partnership um, you've stood out um, for a couple of reasons oh, because no well it's not just because we're here we're, we're, we're blowing smoke whilst we're here and, uh, and but that, no I haven't been mentioned so <laughs> Kenny's average <laughs> um, no. so you two ladies uh, we've spoken about individual skill sets really important bringing a team together who are excellent yes that's one thing but then you've got individual personalities and obviously the life and experience of those people so knowing you um, and then watching you work together the way in which you just said you answer if you challenge it you go about your creativity that's the interesting thing you almost approach it as artists dare i say it you're quite artistic in your creative problem solving yes you sometimes lacked or lack the um specific um oh how do you say it the the, the specific uh, detail of it yeah. but that's the that's the the, the pure um, creative juices flowing because you can sometimes rewire that in. It doesn't necessarily need to be the founding piece. And those wacky ideas, well, yes, we need those. Um, and you can, those, that is just such a joy to watch. It's really important. Never Thank lose you so it. Much. That's um, lovely, yeah. So, and it goes back to finding that right team or finding people who work and compliment or challenge you. Mm-hmm. Never work with a yes person. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you need somebody who, like you say, is actually JP. That work is just not doing it. It really isn't. It's actually shit. So let's move on. And these are the reasons why. And you need to, everyone's different. So find those people around you. Always work with people who are better than you. Yeah. That is the key. Yeah. To improve, to I, always I can't sponge. do that. No, I know. Um, I've left, but that's it. <laughs> uh, and I have suffered for it, unfortunately. But yeah, I mean, again, I think what's coming across just by talking about it is one, we're a, a lucky bunch of son of a bitches to have the jobs that we've got, but also the fact that by working together, I think a lot of clients and a lot of companies have benefited from the ideas. And when we when we do this podcast, it can be going to, we've had design students, we've had 
young writers, we've had experienced people come on, but we've sort of aimed it at anybody who needs some element of creative thinking in their business, you know, and if you're a small business owner or a startup or somebody who's just going into whatever market you're going into, I definitely think that the the people and the space to be creative in that little marketing team needs to be sort of protected. Yes, definitely, yeah. And then... And, I mean, it's, it's difficult because, again, the economy's stagnant. You know, a lot of businesses are not doing the best they've ever done. And I don't want to say, you know, put us on a pedestal by any means, but I definitely think that if you're looking long-term and business growth, you want to be looking at the kind of stuff that we do and the, the lead generation, the good market and the stuff that's going to stand out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Agreed, definitely. So uh, with that in mind, like, how do you guys see the future of design over the next few years i mean what changes have you noticed since you've been in the industry like any trends that you think are interesting or uh, any particular formats that are more prevalent it's interesting i touched on it earlier on in the uk we i think are exceptional at creativity at design at advertising um, all forms of creative i think we are as a nation um, both british and all the fantastic people who come here to influence and journey to this country to be part of and learn from the education and the industry is world class so that's i think a foundation to which we only get stronger from i think we're so lucky to have that um, as a, a creative industry uh, trends and creative i think it's that's what feeds it we're moving forward and um, we, we touch there on um, business um, the climate at the moment and I think those sorts of things, adversity, uh, feeds creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, Brexit, for example, dare I say. Um, all of these sorts of influences in our lives, in society and culture. Um, that's the pure joy of, of creativity, is that that's what we do. We I have answer found, challenges and problems. Yeah, I've found that restriction on any of my creative processes is actually a great way of uh, forcing you into a corner that you've mm. got to paint yourself out of. And it can some of the most creative ideas I've had have always come from that limitation. It's nice to have a brief sometimes just to kind of be like, okay, where is the starting point? Sometimes it's nice to have a free like scope of like where you can go but mm-hmm. sometimes to be like okay this direction we're going in and these are like the cost this is how much the budget is and it's like okay like let's uh, go for it like I, who... I always find the budget good for that mm. you know when you get a brief and it says you know we're trying to do a video the budget's two grand you're going to have to think yeah. pretty smart to get anything out of that yeah like when me and harry have done like direct mail um we sometimes we get like things like 100 pound per unit and then it's like we can go oh that's awesome like we can just like go for it um, but then sometimes we'll get like, okay, we've got about two pounds. Yeah. And it's like, okay, how can we make something cheap but still creative? How can we still create that impact? Um, and that think, challenge is so yeah, much fun. Yeah. Like when you were talking about trends earlier, like I think there's been like a huge, like everyone's on their mobiles now. So everything's mobile optimized. Everything's about the user experience. Um, people's attention spans are getting smaller and shorter. So I think moving animation um is like really good like even like like gifs and stuff like Mm -hmm. that like um i think just like constantly people's like eyes need to be moving like across something Mm -hmm. and we've done interactive landing pages uh just like even things like making like html's and all that like just thinking being really smart about the design of them because like when someone opens it up on their phone how are they going to view it and it's just if the text is too small or whatever like so is that something you think that either current students or current designers with a particular skill set need to be thinking about and i'm only asking this because as writers harry and i have definitely seen a huge increase in video scripts recently yeah in 2019 i would say let's not go mad let's say in the last eight months video script production has massively increased for us and obviously if we write something sooner or later you guys are going to have to get involved and design it so i'm guessing it's something you're seeing as well right oh absolutely and the budget is getting bigger for it as well Mm -hmm. so i started like i think i did one animation in my first year and that was the first video that we'd ever done yeah and then the second year there'd be like 10 this year it's been like literally nearly every month there's been a storyboard and like the budget that we've just had for a recent one has been yeah great it's been beautiful we've got video footage we've got voiceovers it's like we've been able to put in a lot of like money for like to have it animated just how we want it to be and it's because people are gonna connect with it more like Mm -hmm. they're gonna like watch it like you can 
get so much more information across in a video than you can in just like one single image. Yep. And like people, if you've got if you've got a good soundtrack, if you've got like a like a punchy voice, like mm-hmm. bring that in, like telling you about it rather than you having to like read it kind of thing. It's it's going to connect with someone on a more emotional level if they hear that human voice like behind yep. it. And it's like, and has the production of that changed? or made you have to upskill quickly? I mean, has it changed the, the, the things you do on a daily basis design-wise? Oh, constantly. Like, everything's like a learning experience. Right. So, like, we just... Like, if I look at my first video that I did, like, a few years ago, and I look at the one that I just recently did, I've, I'm so, like, happy with, like, how much I've learned on that way. Like, it's... But you get these this experience from, like, being thrown in the deep end. Just yeah. like, okay, we want... The client's like, I want to deliver something like this. And you're just like, okay, I will uh, go yeah. out. I'll like, but because you're passionate about it and because you're excited about it and you think you think to yourself, what am I going to engage with? Like, what is someone... Will you put yourself into the mind of the person that's receiving it? It's like, they, if, they, if that's not engaging them, they're going to turn off. They haven't got time to like sit around and wait for you to get to the point in like two minutes' time. Like, mm-hmm. they're busy people. They're decision makers. They're like... They've got so much to do. You, you've got to impact them straight away. And it's interesting. You've with highlighting multimedia animation. Like you say, it's a it's a really important tool in today's B two B industry, at least. And you've you've touched on areas as well. The uh, the restrictions we have, the challenges we face, because actually we don't always have the budget, or we have to be imaginative, or we don't have that time, or um, like you say, the VO or the the great resource of. Uh, film or footage or originality to be able to go and create and curate that content it's often not there so how do you come up with again we said about being original being creative magpies and as creatives on a day-to-day basis we quite often um, are faced with these challenges where we have to make mm, shortcuts Mm -hmm. or we have to um, get to an end where actually We've, we've compromised to get here um, but how do we get the best out of the situation because it ain't always pretty yeah. you're not always creating the the, the best award winning piece sometimes it doesn't always fit for example I've recently worked on something where I was unable to influence certain areas so you're ending up working with a four minute script I mean wow that in itself says it and uh, it's easy in retrospect or um, to analyse something but sometimes business different influences stakeholders it doesn't quite go to plan Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's business because we're not artists we're commercial creatives and so we've got um, we have to work in that landscape to ensure we deliver on time on budget um, within the the team we we work in Um, so it's it's definitely challenging yeah but going back to it multimedia animation motion um, image rich is without doubt um, a, a really with again i draw back to b2b marketing mm-hmm. and broader society b2c is is obviously something that is very potent at the moment we're always challenging ourselves and you kind of step back and we will all come up with different reasons and answers but ultimately, design, advertising, creativity, it's always a, a mirror or a reflection. It's a tug of war between yeah. being influenced and influencing culture true. and society. So a big one, an obvious one, technology. Mm-hmm. Trends change because of the technology around us, whether that's with, um, you've said, social media, people engaging with content that's on the go, mobile, whether it's Vox Pops, whether it's virtual reality, whether it's just a better digital online experience or personalised experience. Exactly. So this is constantly evolving and that's informing when eventually it trickles down to our, uh, out of like the the R&D stage, uh, it gets to us and we can use it on it every day. It's become commercial, it's become affordable, we can sell it into our clients that is is very much we're in a very golden age i think of that sort of um creativity um and then you then step out of the technology and then you look at the crafts look at how crafts are making a resurgence you've spoken about paper a lot dms i mean they were uh, a, a 2000s like nightmare nobody was sending out direct mail it wasn't having impact because we were going digital mm-hmm. now actually sending a direct mail has impact people don't get them anymore yeah. so if you're particularly doing abm or targeting mm-hmm. people or having using imagination you've got budget to do something a bit more different 
you've just made me think about combining those two worlds i love the idea of imagine doing like an abm piece but it's like a vr headset with a personalized experience built in i just had that idea and thought it'd be interesting but like if you could find out somebody's i think i've seen that as well oh see this is it Um, (laughs) nothing original i think somebody like an o2 or somebody like that did it it's like it's like a blue box you look into and you've got this hologram inside it's a personalized message to that individual but there's just endless possibilities but i think drawing it back we can get really excited about all of this stuff but ultimately it comes back to whether it's commercial whether we can use it in our day-to-day whether platforms on companies have um, reduced the cost ultimately to make it affordable for our 2k 5k 20k budget yeah. Yeah. to go and make something that is a bit different and then we return to that well yeah everyone else can do it but how do we make it original how um, like every other competitor to ours our product is probably doing similar or asking or challenging mm. those same questions. And it's going to be right for the audience that they're targeting as well. Mm. Like you do, like we do like our tests to see like how many of the actual audience use desktop as opposed to mobile. And that kind of like changes like what you do, like depending on that. Yeah. Um, and I think that comes back to the technology again. With, yeah. with the technology giving us the capabilities to do things we haven't done before, what it also does is give us that insight and data that we didn't have before. You know, and, and for me personally, I find that's hugely important, you know, and really insightful. And I'm not saying that I sit there and go through raw data on an Excel document by any means, but when an account director comes to me and says, right, we've done a bit of a, a, a content audit, tip sheets are failing badly, they don't like ebooks, they like an infographic, mm. that's when I can start to think, okay, that's not working, that is, what can we do, how can we get around it? And again, it just comes back to the creative problem solving, but what I like about it is it's data-driven. You know yeah. that that's what the technology's given us is it's we're not we're not taking shots in the dark anymore. Mm. And even more than data driven, I think you we're talking about trends, about technologies, about how we as creative um, in, in, interact with that um, environment around us. Um, but I think the industry is constantly sharpening its tool with regards to uh, what we can do and how we do it. So you say with regards to results driven or data and how we're informed, science. Um, is playing a massive role um, currently with regards to you're seeing specific departments or um, agencies that are very much answering creative problems and challenges and briefs through uh, behaviour, through Mm -hmm. science. Um, And uh, that, again, we're merging two worlds. Um, We're artists, are we scientists? And how do we ultimately engage, communicate, um, with individuals or tribes or types of people mm-hmm. um, by better understanding. It's coming back to research mm. and finding out that information or that key information that others don't have, yeah. um, which I think is really interesting and important. So one of the things I want to raise then is, it's, and I've just been thinking about it as we've been talking here, we know that there's definitely a move towards video animation, that kind of stuff. That's visible. We can see that happening in front of us. If... I draw the attention to a friend of ours, Dan. In the last few months, I've noticed Dan taking on a lot more animation stuff and learning. Now, I don't know if that's something he studied at uni or if it's something that he's picking up now, but he definitely seems to be taking on more of this animation stuff. Is that something that you think it would be worth designers nowadays investing in? Absolutely. Like, if I knew that this is the career that I was going to go into, I definitely would have taken it upon myself to kind of learn a bit more about it but I feel like I'm more of a conceptual designer and this is why I'm asking because is it do you get to that point where you go you know what I'm going to leave that to the animators or I'm going to leave that to the coders and I'll focus on what I'm good at it's nice to have like to have an idea about it to Mm -hmm. have an understanding about it I mean that's not what I specialize in I'd rather someone that's really good with it and like studied about it like I'd rather them take the reins of it like I'll do the storyboard and I'll design it and all that but then for someone who's actually got like a talent for it yeah I think and to see like because I've worked like work with Dan like we just worked on this like this recent video and for him to turn around and be like oh I see that you've asked to do this but like what if we do this and like he's given me ideas and I'm just like do you know what, dude, you take it. Like, you take it where you need to go. And then, like, it's awesome. Yeah. Like, and I wouldn't have had that idea. Like, I wouldn't have known about that. Mm-hmm. And I think also there's um, our friend Dan is, uh, dare I say, younger than us. And I see in other younger creatives 
um, and even family members, where again we've got this trend, this technology, this influence of a generation. We're actually younger creatives. It's what hardwired into their DNA that actually technology um, interaction with digital platforms, multimedia is actually very much the norm to them mm-hmm. um, and it's just second it's instinct so they it's second nature they can just do it they pick it up they enjoy it. yes of course people are good at different things and we have our skill sets but i think there's an underbelly of actually today's culture and creatives are fed very much through um the the motion yeah. visual mm-hmm. uh, animation uh, film and footage I think that's just part of our everyday culture so yeah. it naturally influences and feeds into creativity cool so I'm just we've got to that stage now where we've we've done an awful lot of talking about many many things and I'm conscious that Harriet and I have been firing questions at you guys as designers is there anything from your side that bugs you about writers about me personally um the reason i'm asking (laughs) the reason i'm asking is because i think because this podcast is is was initially aimed at writers and designers we spent probably the first three episodes talking about writers and i don't want to i don't want to alienate the designers and the creative team you know but in doing that i want to make sure that you guys have got a voice as well you know what is it i mean I, i think back to the days when we used to do i mean this was a while ago i'd do infographics and then i could hear a bit of Sort of mumbling and you know a bit, a bit of a, a bit of a murmur going on and, and I grabbed one of the designers and I said what's going on and they says look we need to have a talk about the copy you're doing it's too long it's not giving us enough freedom and it became this whole thing and it was it was great because the outcome meant I was writing in a way that gave the designers freedom and I hadn't considered that up to that point I was just so focused on mm. this looks good but with you guys what is it that you find what, what would you like copywriters to know I think for infographics and stuff like that i think some some recent infographics that i've seen online and stuff like that they've become so far removed from what an infographic is supposed to be like Mm -hmm. it's supposed to be statistics easy like bite-sized information in like just one little strip and it's starting to become like more content um based and like i'm not saying that you guys have been doing this like sometimes it's brief like depending on like what you've been given like the client was adding this information totally get that but um it's i think sometimes you're reading like this infographic and it's just like there's no stats in here and yeah. it's like it's almost like a this should be like an ebook or something mm-hmm. um but i feel like i've been quite spoiled because i've only worked with you guys <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know if you've had any experience with like previous agencies or um, well something that does stand out and we've already touched on is is that ability to change that, that being mm-hmm. able to say, hey, I don't think this is right, and that works both ways. Um, in general, I think um, working with a, a copywriter is fantastic. Well, it's a perfect partnership because your your brain is wired in different ways. You challenge that that brief in different ways, and you're able to pick up on different things. So, like you've said, it uh, us, me, and UK work together and, and complement one another in different ways. Um, and I think having that fluid relationship where you can actually say i think we should actually answer this brief mm-hmm. in a certain way mm-hmm. can you write this content um in this particular way that allows us to be like this um and i think that fluidity that relationship is is really important often you don't get it in agencies because they work in silos mm-hmm. so and they're, they're almost you're just given the copy to go and do and there's no interaction to influence and influence at the beginning and I think people don't talk enough. Something we're doing today, so refreshing, yeah, so yeah, important. Yeah. It's just the very nature of talking. Um, I think um, people forget. And I think having those open discussions at the beginning of projects, before you've started, um, touching base regularly just to ensure we're all on the same page, that actually, are you challenging me enough? Are we doing the right thing? Are we answering the brief? Um, like Haley says, the infographics as a particular piece of content, like, actually infographic can be different shapes and sizes um, but is actually doing the trick mm-hmm. um, we said earlier on it, actually that infographic is more than likely has this certain type of content in that Haley doesn't define as an infographic because the clients ask for it yeah because it has to be in there not because you have you've written it like that for example yeah. um, so we as cre- as creatives have to try and answer that in a really interesting way actually can we push back um, or do we have to take that information and interpret it and make it look interesting? Yeah. Um, and I think where we have those teams, those partnerships to do that, that's where the outcome is better. Um, that's something I always found difficult was 
as copywriters, we come first in, yeah. the, in the process. Yeah. So the account directors, managers come to us and say, right, Ken, this is the problem. This is the product. This is all the information you need. This is the brief to write it. At that point, yeah, I've got everything I need to, to write it. But it, it started to become more and more apparent to me. Wait a minute. Someone's coming after me in this process. You know, these design guys have had no input on this. They've got no idea what's going on. They've had no opportunity to put mm. a stamp on it. Mm. It's all right me saying, right, okay, this is this is going to be a tip sheet, an ebook, an infographic, whatever. But then I get it, I write it, it gets approved, then it comes to you. You've got no background. You've already had an idea in your mind. I would I think it's going to look best if we do it this way. But the copy's too long for that because we didn't have the chance to talk about it at the yeah. beginning, you know, and it was one of those things, thankfully, we all sat together, so it was easy for me to go, JP, give me two minutes, jump on this brief just so you can see what's going on. Yeah. But it's definitely something, I, I, it's not that I struggled with it at first, it was just it never became apparent until a designer went, Ken, we need to have a chat. The stuff you're doing might be great on your side, but it's causing havoc when it gets to the design stage. And then when we started working with you guys and bringing you in at an earlier stage, like JP just said, it, it revolutionised how we worked together. Absolutely. Communication is everything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the difference that I've seen in, uh, on the occasions when, say, we've had an infographic and we'd actually sat down together and like gone and have a coffee and spoken about it. I think when I first started, we did it. And I remember the difference it made when, when we conceptualised it together and thought about and played with the idea well more than just two minds working together to come up with something new and original but it's also that yeah thinking about the visual and the copy in tandem as opposed to these two separate processes yeah mm. it makes a huge difference and on a business context as well um how that saves money how you're more efficient with your time and yeah. thinking mm -hmm. um, yeah. and there's so much wastage if you work in silos um to work as a collective as a team um as one to deliver a, a particular brief you a, enjoy it more you're happier the product is better the outcome um and well dare i say it then the the, the accounts teams the business the uh the managing directors uh, who do the numbers um are going to be happier because you're more streamlined um and that can only be better for everyone and that's something i definitely think don't it doesn't get taken into account enough is the fact that if we've got all the information and, and support that we need to get a good first draft, the likelihood of you needing a second, third and fourth draft is minimised. And what I don't think is taken into account enough is that second, third and fourth draft could be taking you an extra day, an extra two days, an extra Absolutely. week. It could be costing you another three grand that you hadn't planned on at the beginning, you know, and I think when we do get this opportunity to work the way we work, like JP said, it's, it's not just it's a better piece of content, it's a streamlining of costs and time and resources and everything that comes after that. Do you know what I mean? So we're just about out of time. And first of all, I just want to say thank you to both of you yeah. for coming and sharing the the stories and the information you've had. It's been a really, a really, really good podcast. And I just... I'm just going to throw it open. Is there anything that you want to add? Definitely. I'd like to ask each of you what your favourite chocolate bar is? <laughs> Kenny? Uh, extra large one? Probably. <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm not overly fussed, <laughs> to be honest. I'll, I'll eat what's going. Oh, I, I love a lint. I love a lint. Oh, we've been talk we talk a lot about lint, actually. Chocolate, really? orange, chocolate lint. orange lint bars. Oh, my goodness. What about me? I do. Mm, <laughs> it depends. At the moment, dark milk. We've been having a lot of dark milk, haven't we? The new Cadbury's dark milk. Yeah. It's a, it's it's like a good show. It's like Cadbury's and Galaxy put together. Which we've also tried in the office. Um, Kenny once told us, was it you that told us about this? Apparently, if you take a square of Cadbury's uh, dairy milk and a square of Galaxy and you eat it at the same time, oh, it's so the best thing in the world. Like we tried special. it. We went down to the shop in our special. break. Yeah. But if you can't be asked to buy a, a separate bar of Cadbury's and Galaxy, just get a bar of dark milk. Look at that. It's so good. Yeah. Wow. I don't know how much of that we can use. There's so many brand names. It's just, <laughs> oh, become, shit, it's just yeah. become an advertisement for Cadbury's. Sponsored by Galaxy. <laughs> That's why when he asked, I went, anything extra large? You guys, no, no. Uh, Lent, uh, Cadbury's. <laughs> Shall we ask the question again? <laughs> so, Harry, <laughs> well, I prefer big, juicy sweets. What's yours? <laughs> I feel like we're allowed to say brand names if they're not uh, related to things we've worked on, though. Potentially. I mean, well, we've, we've, talk we've talked about Coca-Cola. We have like. talked about Coke and Apple. We'll just keep all this in. Yeah, we might as well. <laughs> I mean, see, this is this is the reason we work well as a team, you know. And I think when I asked that question at the end, there is there anything that you guys want to reference? 
I, I don't really know what I was expecting to be answered. <laughs> yeah, you were asking JP. Yeah. I hadn't <laughs> thought about the question. They clearly hadn't thought about any potential answer because they didn't know that question was mm. coming. So I, I don't know what I was driving at there. I think mm. it was just, is there anything in summation that you would want to put out there to whether it be small businesses, students? What would you say was the secret weapon to good design? Something uh, inspiring, darling. Yeah, so uh, giving to, to designers, those who are starting off in the industry and the career, follow your passion. Um, Hayley said it and I'm almost kicking her because she didn't follow her career and her passion as a ceramicist but it, everyone's path takes different direction for different reasons yeah. but find your passion find something you're good at find something that you enjoy commit to it enjoy it and, and always push it forward whether that's graphic design ceramics art not necessarily has to be your career mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Hayley's proven she's a successful graphic designer as well as a ceramicist, award-winning. Mm-hmm. But our lives can be created both inside and outside of work. So as a creative, fulfill yourself, be happy, be creative, follow your passions um, and never let them down. Lovely. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to follow anything. <laughs> no, 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 no like nobody wants to follow all. that. No. <laughs> In that case, then, I don't think there's anything left to do other than to say thanks very much for you guys for coming and... Being fantastic, mm-hmm. um, and I think we might have to do this again. To be honest, yeah, it's a bye from me. This is really from her. <laughs> thanks, from guys. Thank oh. you. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, everybody. Thanks, but no thanks. <laughs>